number nine. Back to my point. I'm Daniel Nersessi, and I'm going to be your host as always. All right, so a lot of people have been asking me recently about sports betting and my knowledge of it, and I'm going to give you everything you need to know about sports betting. It's becoming increasingly more popular in this country. Uh, it's become increasingly more popular in the world. It seems like each and every day I hear more people that were sports fans turning into sports betting fans uh, or sports betting activists or whatever you want to call it. It seems like more and more people are participating in it. And I'm going to give you all I know on it. And I actually know a shit ton about it because uh, I've done many projects in grad school for it, a couple, couple projects in grad school for it. I've done it for almost two years now. I think I, I don't want to say I know all there is to know, but I think you're going to be impressed with how much knowledge I have on this subject. And so this episode, I'm going to call this the Sports Betting Guidebook, my personal sports betting guidebook. This is all the information I know about sports betting, and I'm going to give it to you right now. First things first, I'm not endorsing sports sports betting. I'm just saying if you're interested in, in it, I'm going to tell you all the information I know about it. So uh, on top of that, most spreads, whatever it is, you know, minus five, minus six, whatever, the spread of the game or the over-under, the Odds are at minus 110 odds, which means that if you wager $110, you will win $100. So you will be risking $110 of, dollars of your money, and in theory, you will get $100 back on top of the $110 you risked. So in theory, you'll get $210 if you deposited that $100, $110. So, excuse me, yeah. So this is important because if you only bet on spreads that are at minus 110 odds, and like I said, most of them are, you need to get 56% of them correct in order to make a profit. Obviously, there are going to be times where you place a bet and it's minus 105 odds, and there's going to be times where it's even odds. There's going to be times where you're getting positive odds, plus 110 odds, where you risk 100 to win 110, plus 127 odds. I bet on a yearly basketball game today that was plus 170 odds. I bet $250, and I believe I got back, I don't know, I should know the math off the top of my head, but I'm terrible with math. I think I got back 325. So... There are times where you bet on things and you can, you know, bet and you can win more than you place a bet. This is important for parlays. Um, also, for beginners who have never bet a cent, there are some apps where you can uh, bet with virtual currency or you can use apps to track bets on those and the amount that you would have put or using the unit system. You can do that. We'll get into the unit system later. You can try that for a month and see how you do. This may be a great way to try it risk free. So now I'm going to give you each rule of my uh, sports betting guidebook. Rule number one, always check the injury report. Simple as that. Always check it. Um, always, always, always check the injury report. Any game you bet a cent on, you should be checking the injury report. No exceptions, no questions asked. Rule number two, remember that the line is not trying to pre predict the score. So a lot of people think that the lines are trying to predict the score. Okay, the Ravens are supposed to win by five and a half points. They're not trying to predict the score. Those lines are there to get half the people to bet on one side of the spread and half the people to get on the other side of the spread. They're not trying to predict the score. Vegas just wants, or the bookmakers want, the lines to be appealing to bet on both sides. They're not trying to predict the score. That's some a very common thing that people say. Because a lot of times they do end up being complete. You know, they, sometimes they lines push. Like if a, a team will be minus seven and they'll win by exactly seven. It'll be minus ten, win by exactly ten. You know, the over unders of will be exactly down to the t at one hundred and fifty six. We see it happen all the time. But I kid you not, they are not trying to predict the score. Rule number three: 
check all the sites or books that you are on because the odds can vary from site to site. I find this the most prevalent when you're betting on international sports, but specifically EuroLeague basketball. But in NFL, there are times where I will see a line at minus six and a half at minus 105 odds and then minus seven at minus 110 odds. So obviously, if I want the team minus six and a half, I don't have to buy a half a point. I, I already get the half a point at a discounted rate. There's there's sometimes where it'll be, my, you know, plus 110. You know, they're, they're, you'd be shocked at how much they vary from site to site. All I can say, and then especially with DraftKings and FanDuel's and all their boosts that they have, always check all your sites. I, I have like eight books that I'm on, so always check your betting. Um... I've also noticed that this is very different in soccer too, and in UFC. For whatever reason, um, NFL and NCAA, it's it's you know, and and you know, it's normally pretty close as far as minus one ten and minus one hundred five, or sometimes you get minus six, sometimes minus five and a half. But anyways, next rule number four: do not bet on too many different games. This is something that is difficult for a lot of people because there will be times where they'll see like ten games, like me for on a college basketball Saturday. There'll be you know whatever forty college basketball games. And I'll see 12 of them that I like. And then the five days prior to that, I won't see a single or maybe I'll see one or two games that I like on the whole slate of games. I found personally that when there's too many things to bet on, um, that's when you get hurt. Is when you bet on eight different games and it's like, oh, shoot, I, I bet $100 on eight games and only... And, and I lost five out of, you know, five out of eight of them, I lost almost $500. Okay, so... That's that's when it's when it gets tricky is when you're betting on too many different games. Um, the key is to also make sure that you're uh, betting on. If I mean, some people like to only bet on one or two games a day. Um, I just think that's. I mean, I think that's a smarter route. Some people though will bet on seven, eight games one day and only bet one or two another day. You kind of gotta test that out yourself. Next is what site or way should you bet? Um, there's obviously a bunch of different ways to bet. You can bet legally using DraftKings, FanDuel, Williams, Book, Caesars, all those crap. You just have to be in a state where it's, I mean, there's some perks to it. The first perk is that it's legal in most states. And then you don't have to worry about a bookie not paying you at the end of the week or whatever. And you don't have to wait to the end of the week because most of the illegal bookmaker sites uh, have Venmo payments at the end of the week. There's all of those promo codes, and this is really interesting. So they have these promo codes. When you sign up for many of these sites, you can get a 100% rollover bonus, which means if you deposited $1,000, you get 100. If you deposited $1,000, you get another $1,000 of credit. So you would then have $2,000 in your FanDuel or DraftKings, whatever bank account. However, when you do this, you normally have to have it roll over a certain number of times. Normally, it's 12, 13, 14 times. Let's use 12 as the example. A 12 time rollover means that you, when you make, you have to make 12 times the deposit plus the bonus to be able to withdraw it. In other words, if you deposit $250 and you have a $250 bonus, you have to wager $6,000 in bets then to be able to withdraw that money. So there's good and bad to that. If you want to just try sports betting for a really long time and you have $1,000 to put down and you think that that'll entertain you for the next five years betting on primetime games, do it. I mean, because at the end of the day, this is also an experience, right? This is this makes you more invested in the game where you otherwise may not have been invested in a meaningless game, you know? So this is kind of like, it's almost like going to a movie or an amusement park. This is kind of like a, a buying a fun experience. Um 
you know, that being said, if, if financially, if you know that you're going to be betting for the next five, 10 years and you want that extra thousand dollars to bet with and you think that you will be able to wager, you know, whatever the required amount is over time because you bet on EuroLeague base, EuroLeague basketball and then MLB and NBA and NCAA and you got a buddy that likes hockey and if you bet on enough different sports to be able to roll those that money over, go ahead and do it. I mean, it's all, all power to you. Um, so that's just the kind of the things with those boosts. Anyways, so there's another route of betting. It's called illegal bookie. Um, and there are many of them. And you have a million different websites. Some of them use the same. Some of them have different URLs but have the same uh, like design to them. I don't know. I'm not a, a computer guy too much, but uh, not a technical engineer. But some of them look very, very similar. Their layouts. Some of them are the exact same sites. Some of them are, are national sites. Some of them are just, you know, just in Chicago area, just in whatever area you're around. But they're, the perks to those is that they're not tacked by the government. And then you can also get referral money with no rollover. So if you refer a buddy, you could get $6 free play or maybe, and then the buddy that you refer will get the $100 of free play, no strings attached. And furthermore, um, some of them let you track the wins and losses of the people you refer. And if they lose a ton of money, you may get a percentage of their losses via free play in your account. Um, but like I said before, they Venmo at the end of the week. So if you're down, you Venmo them at the end of the week. If you're up, they will Venmo you at the end of the week. Uh, the problem with these illegal, illegal bookies is that they can, um, they can bail on you. They can fold, the books can fold. You could be up a ton of cash and they could cop out and not pay you. Um, so it's good to know your bookie if you constantly win. Um, and then another thing that's helpful that I have done recently is if your bookie's nice enough, they will let you cancel an, uh, a bet, which is very helpful when you bet an overnight spread and the line moves um, in your favor, you can cancel it. Like, let's say you bet on a game that was minus six points and then you found out the left tackle for the Colts is not going to play, uh, which was, it actually happened last year when they played the Browns. I bet on the Colts and they were like, they were, I think, minus three or four and the game turned into pick them last minute. At the time, I didn't have the opportunity to text my bookie and say, hey, can you cancel this bet? The, the line is uh, – and you don't even have to tell why. You say, hey, I want to cancel the Colts-Browns bet. And if the line moves enough, like minus four to minus, to pick them, all the Colts have to do is win instead of win by four. So that can be extremely helpful if your book lets you do that. You cannot do that on DraftKings or FanDuel. They will not let you do that. If you place a bet, it is final. And then those are the uh, those are the the, the only uh, routes to sports betting. Also, there's offshore sites. Offshore sites are are pretty much the same thing, except they don't get taxed. I've heard that you can get dipped out and not paid out on these offshore sites. I've never like won a ton of money on them. I've never withdrew any money using an offshore site. Um, and then they also have the promo codes, like you know, you deposit a hundred, you get a hundred back, that type of stuff. Um, anyways, rule number six. Don't throw tons of money just because you're watching the game or just because it's prime time. I think this is the number one reason why people lose money is because they feel like they need to bet on every game they're watching. You don't need to. Enjoy the game. Just watch it if you don't have money on it. Like, it, like I, don't, I never like to bet on – some people say don't bet on your favorite teams, but I only like to bet on my favorite teams when I feel like I really, really know what's going to happen, right? But if you feel the need to bet – then throw only 5 or $10 or even $50, something that you're okay with losing if you feel it will enhance the experience of watching it. But 
I really like a lot of my buddies. Just every primetime football game, they feel the need to bet on, and I just don't see the reason in doing that if you don't like the lines that much. Either way, um, a lot of ways to tell if you don't like something is if you keep volleying back and forth. Uh, do I like the Chiefs minus six? Uh, you know what? They only win a bunch of games by one score. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe they'll lose straight up. Uh, you know. Maybe I'll take the other side. If you're debating too much, I always think it's a that's a great sign to stay away. Um. Anyways, bet number rule number seven: bet on what you know. If you haven't been watching a lot of NBA this season, don't bet on it. I haven't been watching a ton of NBA this season. Um, I didn't think the Knicks would be this good this year. But here we are, right? Uh, you can bet on your favorites, but like I said, be smart about it. If you know you're unreasonably biased about your favorite team, I'm probably unreasonably biased about my Chargers. I thought we had a very, very good chance at winning the division this year, and I think we have a great chance of winning the division next year. I took the over on 9.5 wins for the Chargers for regular season, but then I took it right before Derwin James got hurt and right before we had a mediocre uh, draft. But whatever, I thought we were going to win more than nine and a half games because our roster is so good on paper. Um, but if you're, but don't bet if you're overly optimistic on your team. Don't bet on your team if you're overly pessimistic. Some of my buddies from the New York, New Jersey area, especially Jets fans, I've noticed, are so pessimistic about their franchise. It's kind of funny. They're always complaining about it. But if you feel like you're, you're drastically underrating your team, know that about yourself. If you feel like you're drastically overrating your team, know that about yourself too. Um, but just don't be stupid. It, it really does feel bad when you bet against your team and they prove you wrong. That's kind of the ultimate, like, God, I'm an idiot. I bet against my team and they prove me wrong. So don't be in a situation where you do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise betting against your team unless you're very, very confident. Rule number eight, always buy a point when you think, buy, buy a half a point when you think it is important. You'd be shocked at the number of times a game is minus three and a half and the team wins by three. But the over-under is 155 and a half, and it ends at 151 or 150. When If you have the option to buy the half a point, especially in circumstances where you're not 100% confident, buy it. Don't be cheap. Buy it. Um, especially if you've got more than, more than $100 on a game, I would recommend buying that half a point to get it from 150 to one... Sorry, 150 and a half to 150. Um... Number nine, track overnight line movement. If you bet on a game and it's minus, this is the best for, for track overnight line movement, period, but definitely track it in terms of NFL because, like I said, use my, in my Colts example, it'll, the, at the end of NFL Sunday, the lines sometimes drop on some of these sites, and you'd be shocked at, with the injury reports, how much a line can move from minus seven to minus two, three, four, and you'd be shocked. Uh, if you bet on a game and it's minus seven and it moves to minus three, there's a reason it moves. It's because heavy amount of money is coming in on the other side. Or, like I said earlier, there could be injuries or resting players. Um, this is really important to track. you got to see why it moved. Why did the line move from minus seven to minus four? If you took it at minus seven and it moved to minus four, that's, that's good if you want to double down on your bet. But it's bad in the sense that, oh, crap. I got this at minus four when I could have, if I waited the next day, I got this at minus seven when, if I waited the next day, I could have gotten it at minus four. Um, I just think, like, I, I, I hate doubling down personally. Like, if, 
If you, I think if you got it at minus seven, there's a reason to move to, my, to minus four. I would not double down on it at minus four. Some of my biggest losses personally have been doubling down on games because the line changed in the favor of the way that I, in favor of, I guess, me, in, in favor of the way that I liked the line. If I liked it at minus seven, I'm going to love it at minus four. So then you double down. I think if, I, like I said before, if you have a bookie, ask if you can cancel it and then bet and place that bet on another site with the changed imp- slash improved lines. I think that's really important. I, I'm, like I said, I've re- a lot of times I've, I've taken things I, that I liked at minus seven and they've moved to minus three and I've loved them at minus three and then they lost straight up. So it happens. Okay, number rule number 10, over-unders. For me personally, over-unders are really, really hard to predict. I don't really understand how somebody can look at a line like that and say, like, there's no way these teams score over 152, or there's no way they 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 score under one, you know, 152. I don't know. I, I personally, when I look at lines, I don't over unders. It doesn't really help. Or an like, or to know that for sure, an NFL game will have less than 53 and a half points. With with turnovers, it's so easy to score, and missed field goals are so easy not to score. And like, it's just so with short field position, it's very difficult for me personally. Um, Last year, like I like I said, I don't look at over unders and love things. But if you do look at a line, like the Chargers last year were playing the Raiders, and the line was like fifty two and a half was the over under, and I was like thinking to myself, oh my god, both these teams could easily score forty five themselves. Both of our defenses have been terrible. The Raiders' offense has been booming all season putting up 50 against the Chiefs, putting up 50 against other teams. I think they put up like 50 against Carolina. They, the Raiders' offense was incredible last year. Derek Carr was extremely accurate. So if you see an over-under, and if you're like me and you don't look at over-unders that frequently and, and see one that you would really do like, then you should really throw heavy on it. I feel like for M- MLB and NFL, it's the easiest. But then again, one or two bogus plays, a pick six, a grand slam, a pump return for a touchdown, can ruin the over under and then conversely, a you know a failed you know goal line forced down fourth down attempt, a missed field goal, multiple runners left on scoring, left in scoring position can ruin the under. So I think it's better to take the over on take the over than it is the under. Just because if a game goes to overtime or in extra innings, the over hits while the under does not. I also never understood why you can't buy overtime not included on the under. I, I find that kind of like shocking because like I would buy that if I could. Like, you know, I don't know how much it would cost, but I mean, you can buy half a point. You can buy five points. Why shouldn't you be able to buy overtime not included? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, number 11, parlays. Three-team parlays are nice, but it is much safer to do a round robin. Which, if you do not know, is three separate two-team parlays instead of one three-team parlays. Because if you lose one out of the three of those contests that you bet on, right, you would still make money on a Ron Robin. However, if you win two out of the three games in a... Or like I said, if you lose one out of three in a three-team parlay, same result as with the Ron Robin... You won two out of three, you only lost one, you lose all your money. Because you need all three of those things to happen on a three-team parlay. That's why round robins are safer. The payout is a little bit less, but the risk is is significantly mitigated. So if you're a person who 
usually goes, who either goes 0 for 3 or 3 for 3, then parlay is your thing, man. If you're somebody that only goes, that always goes 2 for 3 or 3 for 4 or always loses that last leg of the parlay, then try round robins. My buddy Josh is always telling me how he always gets really close to hitting these, uh, these massive parlays. I'm like, bro, do a round robin. You'd be making tons of money. And I don't know. I, I think he does a lot of, um, a lot of game props, and I'm not sure how what the odds are for round robins on game props. So, I don't know. Anyways, five-point teasers. I've become a huge fan of this recently because if you're somebody who tends to always lose by a half a point or one point, two point, anything less than five, try a five-point teaser. Pick three, four, or five games, and you can get five points with all of them. And I think this is really good. This is when I really, really like it, is if, you're, if your team... That you're betting on is like plus five, and you think it's like almost a 50 50 game, and you get five points on top of that, and you think there's no way they won't cover the 10, that's huge. Like, if you get, you know, or if you, if your team's minus three, and you think it's a 50 50 game, and you get five points, and they're getting plus two, okay, then, you know, that still works too. I mean, if you took the under 135, then you get it at 140. I mean, it's, though, if you're somebody that, Barely loses a lot, but never really guesses completely wrong. Because I never really guess completely wrong with my with my knowledge. Like when I like, I feel like it's very rare that I just like I'll bet on a game and the team that I think was going to win will get completely blown out. Or if a team, if like I pick Gonzaga to win by fifteen or something and then they lose straight up, that doesn't happen a lot. Like so, know yourself and, and know your traits and, and what's happened, and you know, you know, and play it up. That's kind of the, the, the moral for all this. Next, and this is a really important one, maybe the most important one on this list. I don't know why I have it all the way down at number 13. Ask your friends who are diehard fans. This applies to all sports, but for NFLs especially, because there's only 16 games, and a lot of people follow NFL teams closer than they do other sports. Ask your friends who's a fan of a team. Uh, I have many friends who are passive, you know, passionate fans of, you know, the Detroit Lions or the Cubs or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're planning on betting on a game and you got a really close buddy who watches every single Lions game or who watches every Kansas City Royals game, ask them. Done. Easy. Ask them. See what they think. (coughs) Furthermore, though, if, if, however, you know that your friend is a very biased fan, then maybe they're not the best person to ask. Make sure they're uh, reasonable. Anyways, number 14, and probably should have had this one higher on the list too. Set a budget. And the unit system helps with this. I'll explain the unit system very quickly. The unit system is uh, goes from 1 to 5. So a 1-unit play, for example, would be $20. Therefore, a 2-unit play would be $40. Three would be, six, uh, 3 would be 60 And then up from then until 5 units being the max play at 100 Some people have... 100 as one unit, all the way up to five units as a $500 bet. Do whatever you want to do. Um, just make a unit play because that's really important. If you think that a play is four times as valuable than another play, then you put that play at four units. If you think the Knicks are for sure are going to win by two points tonight, put it at a four-unit play. So bet four times as much money on the Knicks then you're kind of think the Bulls may win. I'm going to only put one unit on the Bulls because I think they might win, but I'm not sure. You want that, that, you want that Knicks bet to be valued four times that no, the number that you're going to bet on that Bulls. 
So the unit, the unit system is, is really, I think, important for mitigating losses because it seems like if you just bet $100 on every game that you bet, that then you're going unless you're very successful, it's you're not going to be able to double down. It's like in blackjack, you're not going to be able to double down when you need to. You know, when you when you're facing when the dealer has a, a four and you have a ten, you know, and you have ten, so you want to double down because you know you're going to get a thirty percent chance of getting another ten and getting with twenty and beating the the dealer. It's just like you got to double down on when you're confident, and that's why the unit system is important. Next. Um, so number 13 or number 14 was set a budget. Number 15, once you're up a sizable amount on the week, do not get cocky. It's due to even out eventually. They say it's nearly impossible to guess right a certain percentage of the time. I don't know what that percentage is, especially if you do the, the Venmo wing weekly way of sports betting. If you're already up $700 on the week, don't risk another 500 to make it so that you could only potentially be up 200 or potentially be up 1200, whatever. You want to uh, mitigate your losses over because over time gambling you're gonna eventually most likely lose unless you're extremely good at doing this. So it's important to make sure that when you're up, you just stop for the week, and that's very hard for some people. Or that when you go up, then you decrease the amount of your bets so that you ensure profitability. That's an important thing to to note: ensuring your profitability. This is really important for the Venmo weekly way of sports betting, but important for FanDuel DraftKings too. Because if you're already up like $1,000 this week, you shouldn't be just continuing to bet because eventually in life, your luck is going to run out. Always in life. You can't stay on a hot streak forever. All right, number 17. Or excuse me, number 16. Track your bets. Um, I kind of mentioned this briefly before. Um, track all your bets. That's really important so you know how many units you are up or down on your own bets because um, that's important. Because if for some reason you're down a lot of money, but your units said that you're up, that's weird. Then, then, then you've been betting. Then there's something. There's some disconnect. It's important to track your bets. It, it just keeps you more organized. Download an app. Use the Action app. Whatever you want to do to points bet. There's many apps out there for tracking your bets. That's important. Um, number seventeen. Create a group chat with your friends. I do this. If you have a friend who's a diehard hockey fan, have him talk about hockey. You got a guy that knows Euroleague basketball really, really well. Bring him in. You got a guy that's really good with soccer. Bring him in. You got a guy who likes to bet on college hockey or college lacrosse. Bring him in. But this is a huge but. See how their picks do the first couple of weeks before you start throwing large sums of money. Uh, I've got a group chat with a bunch of guys, and we're doing really, really well, and I'm really pumped about it. Um, rule number 18: Don't bet on baseball. Baseball's weird. Uh, I can't bet on baseball because I work for Major League Baseball, but I wouldn't be interested in it anyways. It's very, very weird because you can have one inning where you let up seven runs and the entire game could be ruined. In basketball, you can have a five to ten minute stretch where you don't score, but you can still come back from that. If you get shelled for seven runs in the second inning, good luck trying to, to score you know one run for the rest of the you know each inning to try to come back. You're, you're screwed. Like... This is where I think it's really... I don't know, because I really never have bet on baseball. I just have no interest in doing it. It seems the most risky. But where I do think it may be smart to bet on baseball is with prop bets, like over-under on strikeout totals. I think that's the... Prop, or team total hits, things like that. Make sure you're getting them at good odds, though. Some of the um, uh, like Venmo like sites or whatever you want to call them, illegal sites... 
don't have the best odds for player props. FanDuel, DraftKings seem to have better odds on those. So if you're going to do that, look at those. Make sure you're getting good odds. You shouldn't be consistent. This is another thing. I didn't even have this written down. But this is another thing. You shouldn't be consistently betting on things that are worse than 110 odds. Just, just FYI. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, anyways, number 19. Be cautious of the lines that are too good to be true or they seem fishy. Many times in the NFL, bettors are dece deceived by record. My favorite team, the Chargers, lose every single game by one score. We were 2-7 and seven entering this, this past season, and we played a, and we played a team that was, I believe, 8-1. and one. I can't really even remember who we played. And uh, I, I don't remember what the line is, but I knew it was more than one score. And we never lost a single one of our first nine games by more than one score. So I knew that the public had been deceived by our 2-7 and seven record to think that we're a really bad team when really we just lose every game by one play that can impact the entire game. That's how football is. One score wins, one score losses. That's what like 50% of the NFL games are. Anyways, furthermore, the injury report may have something to do with the line or an internal controversy about players, coaches. Do research. See why the line looks so appealing. There's normally a reason for it. On the contrary, there are some times where those two good-to-be-true lines cash easily. It's like free money. Recently, somebody told me that Vegas purposely lets a certain number of obvious bets hit to keep people betting. I have no idea if that is true or not. That's what somebody told me. And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked at that. Because Vegas has to continue to get people to betting. And if you... If guys keep getting losing, 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 they're gonna call a gambling helpline. But if you throw them some eggs, throw you know, throw them some free chips, maybe that's enough to get them to keep going. I don't know if this is true or not, but but it's something to think about. Here's one scenario that that I remember. This was like the biggest fishiest line I've ever seen in my life. There was one year. It was like four or five seasons ago. The Redskins played the Eagles, and the line was minus five and a half in favor of Philly. The Redskins were down on their fourth string quarterback. Case Keenum was hurt. Colt McCoy was hurt. Mark Sanchez was was hurt. They had a guy named a black guy named John Johnson playing starter at quarterback. Never heard of him before. Never heard of him after. Um, and there was a f f uh, free safety. DJ Swearinger was out, and there were some other good players on the whole line was out. The Eagles were on their backup starting quarterback though. Anyways, I texted my buddy Josh, who's a big Redskins fan. I said. Do you think there? You th this Eagles minus five line looks like really, really appealing, and he's like, I guarantee. Text me back. I guarantee you, we lose by more than two scores. The Eagles need to win this game to make the playoffs. We have nothing to play for. We're on our fourth string quarterback. Our, we're we're injured in the secondary, and there's no way we we even you know we we even lose by less than one score. And I said, thank you. And he was 100% right. And so I won on that bet. There are times where, for whatever reason, the public thinks that the Redskins could cover. Could cover the five and a half. I don't know why. There's just time. Like, the University of Portland's basketball program was so bad this year. And I bet against them in every West Coast Conference game. And they lost, like, every single game by 20. But the Lions would only be 14, 15, 16, 17. And I took their opponents, like, every time... And it hit like every time except for like the very last game of the year. And I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know what the answer to that was. I guess a lot of people, when line, like some people just don't think that games are going to be blowouts. I don't know. There's a reason. The same thing with that Broncos game last year. This is another great example. The Broncos Saints last year, all three of the, the Broncos starting, uh, Broncos active quarterbacks were 
uh, tested positive for COVID. So they started a practice squad, practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. They asked the NFL if their intern coach, who played quarterback at the University of Central Florida, could start. Somebody that wasn't on the team, a coach, an intern. But the NFL declined and said because he wasn't a player on the team. This is another example of something that's too good to be true that does hit. That quarter, that wide receiver, practice squad wide receiver ended up going one for 11 with an interception. I believe the Saints won by 20 or 30. The line was only like 14 and a half. And I know that's ridiculous to say out loud for a football game because it's very, very difficult to win. In the NFL, normally lines are not by more than two touchdowns. It was like 14 and a half. More than two touchdowns are very, very rare lines to see in football games. But in an NFL game, not college, in an NFL game, but that was the case. And it makes sense because they had a an effing wide receiver playing quarterback for their team, and they asked if a if one of their interns could play quarterback instead of the wide receiver. Those are instances where it's too good to be true, and it does work. So all I can say on this quick recap of this one is be cautious of the lines. They're too good to be true. There's sometimes a reason for it, and sometimes there's just no explanation, and you should hammer the shit out of it. Rule number 20. NCAA... Men's basketball interconference bets. So don't bet just purely because of conference strength. Just because Liberty is in this A Sun conference, probably the 22nd best basketball conference, and LaSalle is in the A10 conference, or Northwestern is in the Big Ten conference, or you know, Saint or DePaul or St. John's is in the Big East, it doesn't mean those teams will win. There's teams that are in one of the, you know, like I said, University of Portland last season was bottom five team in the entire uh, 325, whatever the number is, 256. I think there's 256 NCAA Division I basketball programs. University of Portland was like ranked 245th last season, and they played in the same conference as the best team in the entire nation, the number one ranked team the whole year, the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs. So... Don't get carried away with what conference they play in or, oh, they only lost to Gonzaga by 17. BYU lost to them by 19. BYU is really good. Don't get too caught up with that crap. As far as the NCAA tournament concerned, I stay away from it because betting big bucks on the NCAA tournament is just too risky because those are the most unpredictable thing in the entire world, the NCAA March Madness tournament. Somebody said that if they, if Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, I, that they would eat cat food. And guess what happened? Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, and that guy had to eat cat food. So, stuff happens. Like, the end, there's a reason madness is in the name. It's absolutely maddening, and there's no way to predict really anything. I would not bet on the NCAA tournament, and I would just enjoy it, because it's the most fun four days. The, fir- the first couple rounds, man, are some of the most fu- fun days in the entire year. Follow your bracket. Make 20 brackets, enter into six bracket pools, and follow those. And cheer for those. Don't bet on the NCAA tournament unless you really, really have a hunch. It's very hard to predict. It's the most unpredictable thing in all sports, if you ask me. Rule number 22 or 21, we only have two rules left. Rule number 21, live betting. Live betting can be really tricky. I live bet the most in garbage time in the NFL because the game is already in the bag and the defense that has been playing three-fourths of the game already is probably tired. And the team that is losing isn't going to just give up. They're going to throw the ball and try to score. That being said, the winning team may put in their backups, who have something to prove, and, the, and if the quarterback throws a pick six, this is a big one, if the quarterback throws a pick six, then you're not covering. So I've noticed with basketball when a team is 
that is in a 10 to 15 point favorite and they're losing by 10, 15, 20, they normally tend to cover in live time because when there's a lot of time left. One rule I created, and I'm not sure how accurate it is, it's just something I created, as far as betting money line live is concerned, if the team you want to throw on is losing by more points than there are minutes left in the game, so if you're down 16 and there's 16 minutes left in the second half, it is usually unlikely they're going to win straight up. If they're down more, how, you know, there are exceptions to this rule. Like if a team is down six with 550 left, of course you could hit two threes in a row and tie it. Just a small rule I created as far as live betting money line. If, you know, I don't know. Do with that what you will. That's just what I thought of. Number 22. Sharps, money percentage, betting percentage, and the public. This is really, really intense. So get get ready to listen because this is the most important. Not most important. This is probably the least important, actually. But this is the most interesting and most obscure part of this. This has almost nothing to do with sports, but it has everything to do with sports betting. Okay. Here we go. This is a long one. Okay. First, I'll start by saying there are apps that track all this shit that I'm about to tell you. The Action app, Points Bet, I think even in CBS Sports Bet is starting. The CBS Sports app is starting to track the money percentage and bet percentage. But here we go. Okay, in theory, like I said, Vegas wants the mo- half of the money on one side of the spread and half the money on the other side of the spread. No matter So no matter who wins, they are profitable because of those minus 110 odds we talked about earlier. However... There are instances when 73% of the money is on one side and 27% is on the other side. In those instances, Vegas will will move the line to get more money on the 27% side. However, there are instances where the line doesn't move or in fact, it moves the other way to get even more money on the 73% side, which means... Vegas wants that side even heavier. In those instances, Vegas knows something the public doesn't know. However, you have to see the number of people that bet on this game. If you Google, you can Google search the top 10 most bet on games of the day. And if, and if even 90% of the money is on one side or is on the over or the under in a game between Long Island University and Mary Mack College that not that many people bet on, if one dude bets in and bets 10 G's on the game, on the under, it could go back to 50-50. So, I don't know. However, only track the bet percentage and money percentage one, this is very important, one hour before the game. At least, if not at least 30 minutes or even 10 minutes before the game. Because people bet tons of money last minute when they can change in effect, which can change in effect everything. So that's really important because if you wake up and you think, oh, the game's not to, you know, betting on a four o'clock football game and the line is minus seven, it could change. The money percentage could change drastically till it hits four o'clock. But since you wake up at 10 o'clock, you're like, oh, it's today. You know, the lines have been out for a week. It's not going to change that much, right? No, no, no. It could change a ridiculous amount. You'd be absolutely shocked at how much the money percentage can go from having 70% of the money on the Browns to having 70% of the money on the Steelers in a few, in two, three hours. It's absolutely stunned at that. Anyways, I've furthermore, I found out that when the money is lopsided, just like I described, it is most accurate in NFL games, UFC fights, and prime, and especially, 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 
primetime NFL games. I'm not sure why. That's what I've noticed. Long story short, you normally want to be on the same side as the casinos slash Las Vegas. However, there are instances when they're wrong. Okay, thing number two within this little sharps money percentage, betting percentage thing. Okay, number two, we've got the sharps, okay? The sharps are knowledgeable sports bettors who throw a lot of money on the games. And they maybe even do this for a living. I've been told that normally they hit at a 65% clip. Now, I'm not saying that the sharps do or do not. Um, I'm, not I'm not saying to never bet against the sharps, and I'm not saying to always follow them. I'm just giving you the information on what I've been told. Also, it is important to track sharp movement at the beginning of the day and then 30 minutes before the game because it can drastically change because, like I said, sharps bet tons of money. So the number of the sharp action can go from being on one side to being on the other side very, very quickly because there's just a few, there's not that many people that are sharp. So if one guy walks in, bets $100,000 on a game, it's going to drastically affect the sharp numbers. Okay, next we have the public. The public is defined as the percentage of people who bet on a game. In other words, the bet percentage, not the money percentage. That is different. The money percentage is the amount of money. The bet percentage is the number is the percentage of people that bet on the Kings, the Knicks, whoever. So the there are frequently instances where 76% of the bets are on the Bears, but only 45% of the money is on the Bears. This could be way more drastic. It could be 90 and 20, 90 to 20. That'd be really, really drastic, but it happens. So even though 67% of the bets are placed on the Bears, only 45% of the money that is being bet on that game is on the Bears. So in those instances, it means that the big bettors who are betting on the Bears' opponents, while the public is on the Bears, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I've been told the public is normally wrong. That's actually a fact. Public is normally wrong. I'm not sure why, but the public is wrong more than they are right. Therefore, in instances where the public and the sharps are on opposite sides, normally the sharps are right. What's difficult is when the public and the sharps are on the same sides, and what's really difficult is when the public and the casinos are on one side and the sharps are on the opposite side. I don't know what's right, I don't know what's wrong, there, it's going to vary from game to game because everything happens, but just keep those in mind. And lastly, we have the big betters. The big betters are, aren't necessarily knowledgeable betters like the sharps are, but there are people who just bet large sums of money. On some sites you can, where you can track these things, it is difficult to, set, to tell if the, the sharps and the big betters are part or if they are the same entity. Like if somebody bet $20,000 on a game on the Action app, they could calculate that as both the sharp and as a big better bet. I'm not sure. But these are all things to look into if you want to use this type of crap to bet. And this is the very last thing. Rule number 23 of my sports betting guidebook, thank you all for listening, is that anything can happen on any given day. This is sports. We like them so much because they're so unpredictable. Look at this NCAA tournament. Who thought Oral Roberts was going to beat Ohio State? Who thought the Raptors were going to win the NBA title two years ago? Everybody was calling Sasha Mezri an idiot for trading for Kawhi because he was going to leave in free agency. But guess what? It brought the Raptors the first NBA title. In other words, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That being said, I've told the key to sports betting is doing the exact opposite. 
hitting the games really hard that you like. Am I a master at this? No, absolutely not. If I was, I'd be in Hawaii or Cancun every single month. But hey, I hope this was informative and enjoyable to listen to. Tax me if there's something you thought I was wrong about. If you like this one, if you didn't like this one, please share this one. I, the views have been way down recently, man. Like, not good. So, um, I really would appreciate it if you guys share this on your Instagram stories. Try to get more publicity. I think this one was a good one. I'm hoping this was really informative to everybody. I'm going to be busy the next couple months, obviously, with my job for Major League Baseball. But... Uh, I will have some free time, and you know I've got grad school too. But I'm 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 gonna be around. Hopefully, I'll try to drop one at le- at the at the worst once every two weeks. But um, let me know how, what you guys thought of this one. I think this one's gonna be really fire, and I hope that you guys can share it and put put it on, post it on your Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Tell people to listen to this because I really want to keep doing this podcast. But if there's not enough interest, then I may stop. Uh, thank you for listening, and take it easy. One final thing I forgot to mention. Never, never, never bet on daily sports. If you do a fantasy league with your buddies, that's fine. But do not, do not, do not, do not bet on DraftKings or FanDuel for their daily sports in these pools, because uh, you'll you'll lose every time. Um, I in my in one of my classes, I can't remember what grad school class. I think it was my technology of sports class. Uh, we talked about how ninety five percent of people that do that lose because only five five percent of the people win like 90% or 95% of the money on that. I just remember thinking, because there's people who for a living like make these spreadsheets and Excel sheets and get together and they just use all their brain power to focus on these daily sports and they make a killing and then everybody else, the common man or the average person, average sports fan just gets absolutely snubbed on them. So do not use that. If you want to join a fantasy league with your guys, do that, but do not do the daily daily fantasy sports. It it does not work. Um, I'm not going to do the outro again. Thanks for listening. Peace.